So um, hopefully everybody got a handout. Um, I know that there's several people, I've heard of several people that are listening to this uh, online. Uh, after the fact, there's a lot of people that are teaching and doing different things and they're catching this online. And uh, Brianna did uh, get my handouts in. She, she tells me that they're available online uh, with the audio. So if you're somebody who's listening to this online and you want the, the handouts the, with the fill in the blanks and whatnot, you should be able to get that uh, right there with, the, uh, with the, the audio. And if not now, you should be able to just reach out to the office and they can help you out with that. And so not just this week's, but the first two weeks, uh, all of that is, is, is available as well. So just throwing that out there because I know there's been several people that have been asking and uh, you never know who's actually catching this later on. So uh, it's, it's hard sometimes you you teach to a room that uh, may have a hundred people in it or may have just a few people in it, but you never know how many people are actually going to catch it uh, on the flip side. And so I want to make sure everybody has the uh, the access to the notes. And so we've been going through, um, I guess you could call it a class, a study, whatever you want to call it. Of uh, the church calls it child rearing. Uh, it's basically child raising, child training is what I like to call it. Um, Paige and I have three kids. Uh, Brian just turned 20. Um, Brenton is uh, 18 and uh, Hallie is 15. And so uh, we've been through some things. Uh, we're still actively going through some things. And so I've, I've said a lot of this before, but I just want to make sure everybody's kind of caught up to what we're going through. And so this class is not, um, I want to make sure I, I back up a little bit and, and make sure that everybody's kind of getting the gist of where I'm coming from. This class isn't, um, <clears throat> or this study isn't, uh, so that we can all have uh, kids who are really good. Um, this isn't so that we can all have kids that are all like cookie cutter, um, perfectly uh, obedient, perfectly uh, submissive. Like all, uh, yes, God wants us to have children that are obedient. Um, but I'm not saying that you you should not have children that have a personality. You shouldn't have children that. Uh, have wants and desires and things like that. The goal behind this is uh, what is God calling us to do as parents to raise up children that want to follow him? And yes, when we get into the last week, um, the, the week that everybody's kind of been like, oh, this is what I thought the whole class was going to be at, we will look into what discipline looks like and, and what uh, healthy discipline in the Bible looks like and all of that. But there's so much that leads into that. And there's so much that... Um, who cares, and I'll just be frank with you, who cares if we're super uh, good with uh, disciplining our children if we're not raising them up towards something, right? If we're not raising them up towards following Christ, if we're not raising them up towards uh, being, you know, just active, uh, healthy participants in society. And so all of those things, you should have a desire. And so a lot of that falls on the parents. And so if you've been here the first couple of weeks, you're like, okay, at what point do we get to start talking about what the kids are doing wrong? Because, you know, I've got kids that are doing a lot of things that they ought not be doing. And uh, a lot of that continues to fall back on our lack of previous training and us reaping what we've sown. And so go back and listen to the first two weeks. They, they definitely build on one another. And so the first week, um, we talked about the problem in child training. Right, the problem that where 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 does that problem really come from? And a lot of people are like, well, I can tell you, uh, they're age twenty, eighteen, and fifteen, right? And so, no, I'm I'm kidding, but a lot of times we think the problem is definitely with our, our with our children and the way that they're acting. But go back to the first week, and we we learned that the problem is not on God. The problem's not on the child, believe it or not. The problem's not on everybody else or all the circumstances that are around or all the things that go into it. The problem really is found in the parents. 
and the lack of training up until you fill in the blank of how many years you've been raising them or where you have been inconsistent or all of those things. And I, I'm not going to reteach any of that. You can go back and catch the audio. It's very available. And But the problem is found in the parents. And you might say, well, I'm doing the best I can. Well, I understand. We're all doing the best we can. I mean, that's just life. But sometimes the best we can and what God has called us to do They're not even in the same book, let alone on the same page. And I hate to be that way, but sometimes we like to say, oh, I'm doing the best I can. Well, the best you can and what God has called you to do sometimes aren't even close. And we need to be focused more on what God has called us to do instead of the best we can. Because if we're just simply obedient, well, then it's a whole lot easier to train up obedient children if we're simply being obedient. So the problem is in the parents. So last week we looked at the false perception in child training. So we looked at the problem the first week, and then I wanted to look at some false perceptions that go into child training because we have these perceptions that if my kid would just do this, then this, this, and this would happen really a lot easier, right? Or if my kid would just learn this, or if in this situation, this would happen, or you fill in the blank. We can always make these hypotheticals, and we have these these thoughts of if my kid would just do, then this would happen. Okay, so The problem with that is we have these false perceptions. And again, I know that I'm spending a lot of time pointing out all the problems with what we're doing wrong as parents. And I get it. Sometimes the best you can do is the best you can do. And we can't go back, I promise. For as much as I would like to go back, I look at each of my children, there's different things that I would do differently. You can't go back in time. All you can do is change what you do from today moving forward. All you can do is look at, okay, this is this is where I'm at. Where am I going to go now? Which direction am I going to go now? This is where our kids are. This is the relationship that they have with uh, me, with my uh, spouse. This is the relationship they have with the people that are around them. You can't change that fact. You can't go back in time as much as we may want to. The thing is, you just have to say, okay, this is where I'm at. What am I going to do moving forward, Right? And sometimes, go back to the first week, it's going to take a lot of untraining before you can retrain. You're going to have to go and undo a lot of the wrong things that you've trained your kids over time before you can now start focusing on the right things to do. And so uh, there's some false perceptions I wanted to look at. And if you missed it, you definitely need to go back and get this because I really kind of feel like the second week is the week that ties it all together. But we have these false perceptions. The first one is that we want our kids to be quote-unquote good, Right? The problem with good is, that's a very relative term. Good to you is completely different than what good to me is. And what good is to me is completely different than what good to this person is. And we just want our kids to be, well, it's not really just good, it's good enough. We want them to be good enough for the circumstance, good enough for where we're at that day, good enough for uh, where we're eating lunch today, or good enough for... Uh, the problem is good changes all the time and instead of being good we should expect obedience right and so go back and listen to that so the false perception number one is we want our kids to be good okay so that's that's really hard for your kids because they don't know where the standard actually is today the standard may be okay i want you to do this but then when we go home well that standard's completely changed because we're much more lax at home and then well then if we go over to grandma's house then it's even more lax well for most kids because you know Anything goes to grandma's house. And so the problem is children, and I don't mean just young children. I mean as they get older, they just need to know what the standard is. 
They just need to know what, what is expected. If they know what is expected, they know where the line is. I used that analogy last week. They know exactly where the line is. They don't have to wonder where the line is. I used the story out of uh, Genesis with uh, uh, God putting Adam in the garden. And he says, hey, here's the garden. Here's all the things that are in the garden. Here's all the trees that are in the garden. There's one that you can't have. Good luck figuring it out. That's not what he did, because if that was the case, Adam would have been in a really rough shape. Instead, he said, no, there's one tree. You can't have that tree. Everything else you can have. Here's the line. Don't cross it. And if you do, by the way, here's the consequence. That's how we need to raise our children. That's how we need to train our children. We say, this is the line. Everything else is safe. It is secure. Everything is 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 good to go. But if you cross the line, here's what will happen. Now, praise the Lord, we have a lot more grace with our kids at times than God did with Adam. He said, hey, if you eat it, guess what's going to happen? You're going to die. It's not good, right? And so it, it, everything's a little bit uh, different with us, and we obviously are, are training up children. We're training up uh, our kids, but so we have, uh, we're wanting our kids to be good. So the next false perception we looked at last week was, well, if we if our kids aren't going to be good, we at least want them to be better than other kids, Right? My kids don't have to be perfect, but as long as they're not the problem child. My kids don't have to be great as long as they're not the one that's, well, causing, you know, we don't want them to be those kids, right? And that's what happens. Again, that's that's just a really bad perception on child training because what you're doing, go back and listen to last week, is you're training your kids that the standard changes with everywhere that you're at, right? The standard changes with every scenario that you're in, and that's not the case. God's standard never changes. God's standard has always been the same. God's standard is obedience, right? We're going to look into it. The first thing we're going to look into today, but God gave children one command in the Bible, only one. I don't think that's a coincidence because I think God knows that sometimes children are a little bit hard to get through to at times. He gives them one commandment. So we want them to be better than other kids. We'll get into that, uh, what God's command to the kids is in a minute. And the last thing we looked at last week, the last false perception in child training was, well, Maybe our kids aren't quote-unquote good, and maybe they're better than those other kids. And the last thing, the last false perception is we want our kids to make us look good. We want our kids to at least act right when people are watching. We want our kids to at least act right when, you know, when I'm picking them up from Sunday school class. We really want to hear that, oh, yeah, your kid did really good today, right? Or you really want to uh, get them to do the right thing at just the right time. Well, the problem is, and we looked at this Last week is your kids know exactly the game that you're playing and they know how to play it against you, right? They know how to say, okay, this is when I really need to be acting right. So I'm going to act the complete opposite because I know that I, my parents are basically at my mercy. If I act wrong right now, I'll get anything that I want because they are trying to just play it cool. They know that when we're in the line at Walmart, we're just trying to get out of here. If I ask for the candy at just the right time and at just the right tone of voice and at just the right, I'll get it because, well, it keeps the peace, right? They know that if the scenario calls for me to be quiet, if I ask in just the right way, and a lot of times just the right way is acting out of line, that I can get their phone and watch whatever I want to do. I can and go back and l- listen to all that. Those are just examples. But the, the problem is, is a lot of times your kids are better at playing your game than you are. Uh, and that's kind of what we, we learned last week. A lot of times, I said it last week, I didn't mean it to be offensive, but a lot of times your kids have you trained way more than you have your kids trained. Uh, and go back and listen because there were a lot of analogies. So anyway, that's the first couple of weeks. I wanted to spend just a little bit of time reviewing because uh, we know where the problem lies with child training. It really lies on our lack of training. 
And so now we've looked at some of the false perceptions, uh, the different things that we expect it to look like, but it doesn't really. And so now we're going to get into uh, the third week. And so if we know where the problem is and we know these false perceptions the way it is, what we really need to, to have is a plan. Okay, so now we know that uh, there's an issue, right? We know that uh, the house is on fire. What are we going to do, right? There needs to be a plan. How are we going to get out? There, we know that the issue is at hand, whatever it is. What is the plan? Because there's nothing that I dislike more than, and I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but it's when somebody stands in the place where I'm standing right now. And I don't just mean at HBF, but I just mean in uh, in the place of uh, a teacher or uh, maybe even a pastor or different things. And they say, hey, this is where the problems are in your life. This is where you're lacking in X, Y, and Z. You need to straighten it up. You need to fix it. That'd be great. Do you want to tell me the best way to go about that? Do you want to give me like a tool to do it? Uh, I, I build houses for a living. Um, I can do a lot of things, but without the right tools, I'm kind of limited. Right? It's going to be really hard to build a house without a hammer. Right? It's going to be really hard to do some of the things we need to do without the right tools. And so that's what we're going to look at today is so we know what the problem is. We know the false perception, but what is the plan that we need to have in child training? Because we got to have a good plan to, to look at this. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight is the plan that we need in child training. And then next week, uh, the last week of this study, we're going to look at uh, child training in practice. We're going to look at what exactly discipline looks like and it looks different in a lot of different situations and we'll look at all of that and we'll get to all that but so we've looked at the problem the false perception we're gonna look at the plan tonight and so uh i i've given you some ground rules i'll review them really quickly Uh, most of you have heard this already but uh, i told you from the get-go there were two ground rules um, for me teaching this Uh, first off my kids aren't perfect um I don't expect my kids to be perfect. I expect my kids to be obedient in the things they've been called to do. But my kids didn't sign up for me teaching this class. Uh, my kids didn't sign up for uh, for them to be under the microscope now because now I'm teaching it. So it's like, well, they're not doing it. My kids didn't sign up for that, right? I still expect them to be obedient. But the the thing is, my kids aren't perfect. I'm, I'm guessing yours aren't either or you wouldn't be here. And so that's kind of the whole point. So we agree to that. Don't hold my kids to a standard and just... To throw it out there, don't hold any uh, pastor's kids to a different standard. They're trying to figure out life the same way. And that's that's a really hard thing to do at times. So anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, and the, the second thing is, uh, Paige and I, we don't have anything figured out. We've, we've done some things. We've lived some things. We definitely have done some things the wrong way. Uh, and I think that's where uh, knowledge turns to wisdom is when you've actually lived through it a little bit. And now I can not only say I read this in a book somewhere, but I can say uh, I could probably write the book on a lot of these things. And so the, the point is we don't have anything figured out. Um, we're still learning as we go. Uh, I did also tell you guys, uh, if you're somebody with teenage children, um, I'm definitely still trying to figure that out. You can go to the bookstore. I said this the first week. And you could find a whole section on how to raise young children, right? You can find a whole library full of books on how to raise young children. I've yet to find one that says this is the way to raise teenagers. I think it's because nobody's quite got it figured out yet, but I, I'm just throwing that out there. And I say that in just because uh, in just because I feel like my kids are um, uh, they're doing a pretty good job. Not that I'm holding them to the standard of good, but um, you know, they're they're growing up and they're and they're they're figuring it out. So anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. Teenagers are a whole different, um, a whole different ball game. So, okay, so here's what we got: uh, three introductory thoughts tonight to get us started. 
three introductory thoughts to get us started as we get into this. So number one, our end goal, as we're looking at child training, our end goal must be obedience for our kids. Your end goal shouldn't be, I want my kids to be good. Your end goal shouldn't be, I really want my kids to, uh, you know, be able to sit through uh, a 20-minute church service without causing issues. Your end goal shouldn't be, I want to be able to go to the grocery store and them not make me look bad. Your end goal should be one thing. It should be obedience. Now, obedience is is a very black and white. It's, a, it's not like a gray, uh, you know, line that changes and different things. It's very black and white. Your end goal should be obedience. Number two, second introductory thought. Children have one direct command in the Bible. Now, there's a lot of things that they can learn from, but there is one direct command in the Bible for the children. Does anybody know what it is or where it's at? Ephesians 6.1. Ephesians 6.1, there is one direct command to children in the Bible. It says what? It says, children, obey your parents. Right? That's what it says to do. Children. It doesn't say, make your parents look good. It doesn't say, children, uh, try to figure it out, right? Tiptoe the line. It says, children, obey your parents. So if our end goal is obedience and the children, our, our children have one direct command in the Bible and that is to obey. So number three, if obedience is our end goal and that's the only command that they have directly from God, then what is our plan to help them do this? Your goal in life as parents shouldn't be to dictate and rule your kids. It should be to help them be as successful in life as they can be. Now, you might be like, my kid is two. Uh, I'm telling you, it starts there. You're raising up the next generation of people that will eventually move out of your house. And you're going to look at them, and they're no longer your kids. They're adults. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you could change society. I hope I made it a good enough impact in your life. That you're going to impact it, you're going to change it in the right way. So, if our desire is to treat to, to train them obedience, and we know that God, well, guess what? He said the only thing I really need your kids to do is to obey. Then the thing that we need to figure out is how do we help them do that? Not how do we dictate them to do that? Not how do we force them to do that? How do we help them along the way to do that? What is the plan, right? And so that's what we're going to look at today: God's three-part plan. To train our kids. Um, one more thing before we get going on this. Something my wife brought up to me, and I don't know if I've done a good enough job, so I want to back up. When we talk about child training, because that's what, that's what we call it. We call it child training. Uh, I don't, I don't call it parenting. I don't call it, uh, I, I don't know. We could call it a lot of different things. We call it child training. Um, and so a lot of times people could have a lot of different, um, thoughts of what that means. And so Paige even asked me point blank the other day, which is kind of odd because I like to noodle on things for a while. But she asked me, she's like, so what does that mean to you? Like, what does child training mean to you? And I'm like, well, without having time to like noodle through it, if I just had to tell you right off the top of my head, when I think of what training is, you know, I think of an athlete. An athlete doesn't just go and do whatever they're doing. They have to train to do it. I have a son that's wrestling right now. There's a lot of training that has to go into what he's going to do before he actually gets on the mat with a kid that's exactly the same weight that he is, right? There's a lot of training that goes into a football player before he steps out on the field. There's a lot of things that he has to do to condition his mind to get his body ready to do what he's there to do, 
right? A runner has to, you know, especially somebody that's running like long distance, like a marathon. That's like crazy to think that somebody would run that far. And I'm not still sure what they're running from, but people will run that far. Um, you definitely have to train your mind because if not, your body's going to say, I can't do this. You're going to get a little ways into it and you're going to be like, there's no way that I can do that. There's no way that I can keep going. It's too hard. It's too, all of the things. But when you train yourself, you can get through the hard times. And so when you translate that over to child training, all we're doing is we are preparing our children, whether they're six months old or 20 years old or anywhere in between, we are training them so that when they get into the game of life, they're able to get through whatever circumstance it is that's being thrown at them. That's what child training is. It's not about being cookie-cutter little perfect kids. There are times that your kids will fail. You know what they need from you more than anything at that point? It's not condemnation. It's to tell them, hey, it's okay. What can we do different moving forward? They need somebody that's in their corner. They don't need somebody that's always pushing them away. So anyway, i got to stay on point. I could keep going. But that's what child training is. It is preparing them for whatever the situation is. So when we talk about child training. So God's three-part plan to train our, our, our children. So I want to use the, the story of Joshua. If you have your Bibles, flip over to the book of Joshua. We're not going to do a ton of flipping around today. Uh, we're going we're gonna to settle in on one story. And I like this story because uh, it really focuses in on obedience. And so uh, Joshua chapter, uh, we'll start in chapter, the end of chapter 5. Um, So most of you guys know uh, where, where uh, this story is leading. So we're going to get to the story where uh, Joshua uh, leads the nation of Israel uh, to the city of Jericho. And we know that what do they do? You know, as little kids in Sunday school, we know that, you know, they, they march around the city of Jericho and they shout really loud and the walls fall down. And it's just this really cool story. And we're like, OK, that's awesome. But I want to give you a little bit of backstory as to where Joshua is, because, OK, I understand that the nation of Israel isn't Joshua's children, okay? But I'm, I'm going to use him as the uh, as the pictured parent in the story, right? He is trying to uh, bring about a people. You're trying to bring about some young people in your home to do the right thing and to follow God the right way. And so uh, Joshua, if you remember back, he sent spies into uh, the promised land. They came back and they're like, oh, no, there's no way we can go. And so they end up in the wilderness for 40 years, right? And so or Moses sends, uh, sends spies in, 12 spies. They come back. Two of them say that, oh, yeah, it's great. The other 10, that no, we can't go. They're too big. They're, there's giants in the land, all these different things. And so what happens? Um, well, basically, God says, now nobody's going into the promised land because you guys were, were too scared. Uh, so they, they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses uh, gets to see the promised land. God takes him up into the mountain. He looks and sees it, the promised land. This is what God has been promising them, but he can't go. He says, but Joshua, he's going to be my guy now. And so now Joshua is kind of like the guy in charge. He is the parent in the room, the quote-unquote parent in the room. Okay, so what do they do? Uh, they cross the Jordan River. They finally go. He says, we're going to go. He sends two spies uh, into the land, not 12. He sends two. They go uh, into the city uh, of Jericho, Rahab the harlot. You can go back and recount the story, but she brings them in. Uh, the people saw them come in, and they're like, hey, where's these guys? And she hides them, uh, and, and she lowers them out. Um, 
in, in a basket out the window, all, all the things, right? And so basically they come back and they're like, yes, the city is exactly, it's everything we want it to be. So they cross the Jordan, right? Uh, another really cool, uh, picture of what God can do. They've already, uh, they've heard the stories of how God parted the Red Sea. Well, it's very similar to the fact that when, uh, Moses steps foot in the Jordan, basically the waters just stop. It says they just turn into a wall. They cross the Jordan River. They're in the promised land. Um, and the first thing that they do when they're in the promised land, and I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this, is, uh, Joshua says, okay, we need to make sure that we are doing things exactly as God has called us to do from the beginning. You might find yourself in a place in your child uh, training in your in your household where it's like, we may have been way off for a long time, but starting today, we're going to do things right. And so the first thing he does is he says, hey, we're going to get back on uh, doing things exactly God's way. So they circumcise everybody in the camp because they hadn't been doing that in the wilderness, right? And so that kind of leads us to where we're at. And so... They've just uh, circumcised everybody. Everybody's just kind of hanging out, recovering from what is, uh, has just happened. Um, and uh, in verse, let's see, uh, Joshua chapter 5 in verse, let's start in verse uh, uh, 13. So in verse 12, manna is no longer a thing, right? So God's been feeding them this thing, but now they're going to start eating of the food of the land. And in verse 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. So Joshua, he's he's a military man. He's out scoping things out. Everybody's in the camp kind of healing up from the, the circumcision thing. And Joshua, he's going to go scope out Jericho. How, this is the first city that we've got to conquer. This is the, the first big obstacle in, in what God has called us to do. You might be thinking, okay, what's the first big thing that God is going to call us to do with, with raising our kids? And he says he's, he's out and he's kind of checking out Jericho. It says, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord I am now come. And Joshua, what Joshua does here is, is really key. It says, And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord, capital L, unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes, or loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thy standest is holy. And Joshua did so. So the first part in this plan to train up our children is this. There has to be preparation. So now you've decided, okay, I, there's an issue with the way we've kind of been raising our kids. It's kind of gotten out of hand. We've been way too lenient. We've been uh, really just letting things kind of go, and it's really starting to rear its ugly head. And so uh, you have sat down as, as parents. Hopefully the two of you have kind of agreed. We've looked at that in the last couple of weeks, that it's really key that uh, you can do this together. Uh, it doesn't mean that if you're single, you can't do that. I'm just saying it's always going to be uh, better to do this as a team. Uh, and so you're, you're on the same page. Like, okay, we've got to do something. We're going to do something. Okay, so you've come to the realization that something needs to be done. That's what we're looking at. What's the plan? The first part to this is preparation. And here's the first thing that you have to answer. What are the expectations? What are the expectations? We have to prep. What are the expectations? Right? And so the first thing that you have to prepare is your heart. The first thing that you have to prepare, if you're going to make a, a covenant to the Lord and say, God, uh, we've we've really kind of gotten off on this, but we're really, from today moving forward, we're going to do this your way, you've got to prepare your heart. 
I'm not saying you don't need to go and prepare the rod. You don't need to go and prepare that. You need to prepare your heart first. How are you going to do that? With the word of God. It's got to start there. He might be like, I came here to learn how to train my children. It starts with you prepping your heart in the word of God. It has to. Point number one. If we fail to prepare our hearts in the word of God, then we will fail in our child training. If we fail to prepare our hearts in the word of God daily, spending time hearing from what God has to say to us, then you will fail in your child training. You might say, well, you don't really know my circumstances, and I'm just telling you I I could fill in a whole lot of things after if we fail to prepare our hearts in the word of God that would say you will fail in that area. Because you get life from this book. Right? You, you get water from this book. You will, you will be thirsty without it. You have to prepare your heart first. Right? If we're not preparing our heart, if we're not being serious about, okay, what, okay, I'm making this commitment. This is what we're going to do. Joshua's like, I'm going to lead these people, God, but, but how exactly do you want me to do this? He's, he's searching out. And what, what happens? When you take time to search it out, God will reveal himself to you. God finds Joshua right there and he says, here I am. And what's Joshua do? He doesn't say, hey, wait a minute. You're the first guy that I've got to, to fight out here in the promised land and, and try to like kick against the pricks as what Paul would say in, in the New Testament. No, it says he falls on his face because he realizes that the only power he's ever going to have is in the Lord, right? It's the only way it's going to happen. If we fail to prepare our hearts in the word of God, we will fail in our child training. Point number two, a lack of communication between the heavenly father and the earthly father or mother, will lead to a lack of communication between the earthly father and the children. What do I mean when I say that? If you don't have good communication with daddy, your kids are going to have a hard time having good communication with daddy. It just, it is. If you don't have uh, a good communication with God the Father, you're going to have a really hard time communicating as a parent to a child, especially as your child get, gets older. When they're super young, they don't completely comprehend all that, but and especially if you're coming to the church very often, because uh, your children can spot a hypocrite from a mile away. And if they see you act one way at the church and not at home, they'll call you out before anybody else will. So what I'm saying is if you have a lack of communication going up, then don't be surprised when there's a lack of communication with your children. It's just the way that it works. Right? Well, you don't, you don't really under, I, I don't understand all the circumstances. I do understand that having proper communication with my father is the key to having proper communication with my kids. Because if I don't, if I don't and I try to just very quickly and very rashly make decisions and, and, and say this is how it's going to be and that's how it's going to be, uh, Things, things fall apart. There's no communication. My kids say, you don't understand what I'm trying. You don't understand me, right? We're completely on different pages, right? And what's, it's no different than if I just try to go, go about my day in the world without any communication with God the Father. I'm like, man, we're just on different. It's because there's no communication. Point number three. If parents do not reverence the Heavenly Father, then they cannot expect their children to reverence their parents. 
Now, you might say, well, that's pretty much the same thing you just said before. Well, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. A lot of times we expect our children to respect us, to to reverence us, uh, to look to us, to respect us. If you don't have that same respect to God the Father, then you're not showing your kids how to do anything. My kids learn by seeing me do it. Right? Especially when they're at the, the younger, more impressionable ages. They they learn by what they see. We talked about it in the first week. It's like monkey see, monkey do. Right? They learn by what they see. If they see that you have a reverence for this book and for what it's teaching you and for what you're doing in your life, it's going to be a whole lot easier trying to show them that they should have the same thing, a reverence for this book and what it means in their life. But if it's just you coming to the church every now and then and you know, you're trying to, to play this Christianity thing, but it really doesn't mean anything, and your children, especially as they get a little bit older, they see right through that and they want nothing to do with it. They'll call it they'll call a spade a spade very quickly. Point number four, there can only be one person sitting on the throne in your house. And it's gotta be Jesus. I don't know how many times I've heard parents say, I'm the boss, right? Everything runs through me. This is how it goes in this house, this, that, and the other. Um, your kids need to know. That Jesus is the boss in this house. What the word of God says, that's what we're going to do. It's not my way or the highway. Uh, it's Jesus' way or the highway. And you might say, well, I've read that book. I've, I've, I know that. I've, I've, I'm, I'm trying. Okay, again. You need to be ready to, if at any point God says, hey, this is where you're at, and I think you're just a little bit off, you need to be willing to say, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. We're going to go this way. Yeah, you're right. I, I I missed that the first time I went through it. But yeah, I, I see it plain as day now. I'm definitely willing to do it your way, Jesus. The problem is, Paige and I had this conversation just a few days ago. I don't remember what the context was. But in so many people's lives, even in the church, we say, yes, I will do what the Bible, I believe what the Bible says. I will do what the Bible says, except for that one area. I just, it doesn't really apply to me, right? It doesn't, just doesn't really, um, I mean, yeah, I, I, everything that you say, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on board with, but that one thing, I'm just kind of like, I'll, I'll give you an example. I won't tell you anything about who it was, but uh, somebody, Paige was doing uh, some sort of a study or talking to some, I don't remember exactly the circumstances, but uh, the gal said, I always like, I've always been right in, in line with what Jason is teaching, right? Uh, but anytime he's ever talked about, um, how uh, I'm trying to remember uh, uh, in, uh, infidel. No, uh, basically, yes, yeah, so yeah. Basically, uh, uh, knowing that sex before marriage is wrong and, and continuing to do it. And she's she, the, the gal was like, I mean, I mean, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay. I mean, I've never really seen it. And she, the gal was like, oh my, if in the last year I knew, or if if I would have known. Just some of the circumstances that I've had to go through, repercussions years later. And she's just like understanding that, oh my gosh, just because I didn't choose to believe it, the Bible was, it was right again. Too many people, they believe everything about what the Bible says except for that one thing. Whatever it is in your life, I don't have any idea. But just that one thing, whatever that one thing is, oh, that doesn't really apply to me or I'm, I'm telling you, the Bible bats a thousand. It's, it's right every time. 
Um, it's, there's never a time where it's like, oh, that's out of context. There's never a time where, oh, that's relative to the certain. I'm telling you, it's black and white. It's plain as day. And when we treat it that way, when we talk about raising our children, it gives us a plain, clear standard. There can only be one person sitting on the throne in your house, and it's got to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus. You have to start. If you're going to say, okay, here's the deal. We're going to change the way we're raising up our kids. I want to do it God's way. It has to start with you preparing your heart. If you don't start there, if you're like, no, we're going to start with X, Y, and Z, I'm telling you, it has to start here. It has to start with you having a broken and contrite heart and saying, okay, God, what do I need to do? He'll show you, I promise. He will show you. The next thing you've got to have in preparation, so you've got to prepare your hearts. You also have to prepare your family. What does that look like? How do, how do you do that? Structure. Prepare your family. And we'll talk about what family means in a minute. But uh, you have to prepare. So we're prepared our hearts. Now what are we going to do? We have to prepare our family. There has to be a plan, uh, a plan of attack. How are we going to do this? There has to be structure. Okay, so here's what happens. Follow along the story. Uh, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. So Joshua just basically uh, met uh, the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ face to face. You can We can study that out at a different time. But he rolls into chapter 6. Okay, it talks about how, how now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Basically, uh, they saw the nation of Israel coming, so what did they do? Uh, they closed up the walls. Nobody went out. Nobody came in. That means hey, we're not going out, but at least they're not coming in, and we'll wait them out is what they're thinking. Okay, so Jericho was straightly shut up. None came out and none came in. Verse 2, And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Now, think about where Joshua is. He's the new leader in town. He's trying to do things God's way, but at the same time, he's got to be thinking, like, this is a ticking clock. If, if things don't start happening pretty quickly, this, these people will find a new leader. Like, if I'm not, like, showing uh, results with what we're doing here, we, we came here to take over the land, and now here we are sitting outside the city. Everybody's kind of hungry. Like, nothing's happening. So Joshua, he's got to be thinking, I've got to make something happen here. Again, translate this to the way you're, you're, you're training your kids. I don't feel like there's enough results with, with what my kids are doing here. Like, I feel like they are straightly shut up, right? <laughs> nothing's coming out and nothing's going in, right? It's like I'm beating against a wall here. Just, just follow the, what we're looking at. So Joshua, you think about what he's going through right here. And then God's like, I've given you the city. And he's got to be thinking, okay, it doesn't really look like you've given it to me yet, though, Lord. Uh, it seems pretty shut up to me, but he doesn't say that. In verse 3, God says to Joshua, And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shall you do six days. Okay, again, think about Joshua here. I'm leading this uh, massive group of people. They're following me. Moses has just uh, died. Moses was the guy. And I'm the new leader. And if, if things don't start happening here, they'll be finding a new leader. And, and, you know, Moses, those are big shoes to fill. And so God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you, and he's just talking to Joshua right now. It's the only person. This is the plan. Go march around the city. Not just you, everybody. March around the city once and do that for six days. And Joshua's like, I, I've got to be, I'm thinking this is what he's thinking. You, I, I've got to go tell the people that this is the plan. We're going to go, we've got like ways to knock the wall down. We've got all these different things that we could. 
And I'm going to go and tell them that we're going to go march around the city and do that for six days. Okay. I'm just thinking what he's probably thinking here. Uh, in verse four, and the seven priests shall bear the ark of, uh, or, I'm sorry, seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day shall compass the city seven times. Oh my gosh, we've got to do it seven times? And the priest shall blow with the trumpets, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, and all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend every man straight before him, Okay, God God says, here's the plan, Joshua. I want you to tell everybody if we're going to march around the city. We're going to do this for six days. After about day three, they've got to be, he's, he's thinking, these people are going to run me out of here. And here's the deal. On the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. And, you know, they're thinking, okay, and then what are we going to do? We're going to knock the wall. Here's the plan. Here's the kicker. We're going to shout really loud, and the wall's going to fall down. At this point still, this is just God telling him, this is the plan. And he's like, I've got to go tell the leaders, the the generals, this is the plan. I, I'm the new military general in town. I'm I'm the I'm the guy that's leading this thing, and this is the plan. It, it's it's absurd. It's absurd. In verse six, and Joshua the son of Nun, he called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests. Bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. Basically what that's saying is he says, sir, yes, sir, I'll do it. You might think that you are completely insane to try to take the way that you have raised your kids for this long and completely change it. A hundred percent. You might think that, oh, you want me to be you want me to be consistent every time my kid talks back, every time my kid yells, every time my kid raises their voice, every time my kid, uh, you know, uh, runs in the house, every time. Uh, you, you don't understand. That's all my kids do. Like, that's absurd. You want me, can I just pick one thing? You might be thinking, this is insane what you're asking me to do. I'm not asking you to do it. I'm just telling you that's what the Word of God says. Sometimes the things that God will ask you to do will seem absolutely absurd. But when you just simply believe by faith, man, what God can do is amazing. It's amazing. You have to prepare your family. Point number five, a biblical family structure in the home brings clarity and comfort to all situations. So we're going to start preparing our family with with the new uh, way we're going to do this. A biblical family structure in the home brings clarity and comfort. We're going to start kids, family meeting. We're going to start going to church. Uh, we've never really done that before, uh, but we just feel like that this is what we need to be doing. We need to make sure that God's a priority in our life. And, okay, and, and we're going to sit down, and uh, these are the new expectations. These are the new house rules. Everything's clear. It's concise. This is the way we're going to start doing things. Uh, God says, Adam, you can have every tree in the garden except for this one. You can tell your kids, this is what we're going to do. Everything is free, but we can't do and you, you lay down, this is the, this is where the line is, right? There's structure. You're preparing your family. You don't just come to your spouse one day and say, hey, we're going to change the way we're raising our kids. And, you know, the husband's like, we're going to do what? And then now all of a sudden you're super consistent with like, oh, you can't do that, kids. And here's, you know, discipline. And you can't do that, kids. Here's correction. You can't do that. And then, you know, dad's over here and he's like, I don't even know what's happening. Or maybe it's the other way around. Or 
I'm telling you, it starts with structure. You, you want to plan for training your kids? It starts with sitting down and saying, this is the way we're going to do it. It's not like, oh, you're supposed to just know. We're going to sit down and have a conversation about it. You might say, well, my kids are too young for that. Okay, sit down and make sure that the parents are on the same page. This is the way that we're going to do this. Make sure that there's a plan. You're going to prepare your family, right? There's going to be a biblical family structure. This is the way we're doing things. God is the priority. Point number six, having a proper chain of authority will allow everyone to be on the same page at all times. Having a proper chain of authority will allow everyone to be on the same page at all times. Because here's what happens. Your kids know how to manipulate circumstances. And, well, I know that dad says yes in this circumstance. I know mom says yes in this circumstance. They know how to tweak everything. We need to make sure that there's a clear chain of command. For the most part, the kids can ask Paige something. And, uh, I mean, especially as they've gotten older, it's a little bit different, you know, just because things are like what they're doing but for the most part you know they'd be like hey can we go and do this she would say go ask your dad why because we're going to end up having a conversation together anyway but we need to make sure that everybody's on the same page there needs to be a clear authority structure chain right how does this look so when everybody knows this is the authority structure it's it's just very easy it's very peaceful it's very like okay when when i remember hearing this when i was young all the time because this is this was the famous words from my mother, uh, and we didn't grow up in, in church. It has nothing really to do with church, but it was, just wait until your dad gets home, right? Because I knew that, oh boy, when dad got home, it was it was about to get real. Okay, well, without really knowing it, we knew that there was an authority structure. We knew that, okay, mom was the authority, but when dad got home, he was kind of the enforcer. Well, what they what your kids need to see is that there's not one or the other parents that's the enforcer. There's not one that's the punisher. There's not one that's the... Your kids need to know that this is the standard. It doesn't really matter who I'm acting up for. It, there, this is the standard. This is what is expected. It's obedience. It's not, well, this person lets Lamore go on. No, this is the standard. It's obedience. Don't cross the line. Whatever the line is, just simply don't cross it. When there's a proper chain of authority, it allows everybody on the same page. Point number seven. Extended family can be tricky. And I'll explain this in a minute. But talking about preparing your family, uh, extended family can be tricky. Revealing your new family plan to them will help keep everybody accountable. Here's what I mean by that. You might have decided that, okay, we're definitely going to change the way that we're raising our kids. I feel like if we don't, um, uh, the kids are going to basically end up running the household. Maybe they already are. I don't know. Um, But we definitely are going to kind of change the way we're doing things. Uh, and here's what happens. Well, then they go to grandma's house or then they go over to, you know, aunt and uncle's house. or then they go to wherever. And, you know, I don't know about in your situation, but it seemed like no matter what, when my kids went to grandma's house, they got whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And it was just, okay, so that was really hard when Paige and I were maybe in the same boat that you're in right now, where we decided, hey, the way we've been doing this is completely wrong. We have got to change things. And when we changed things, it was like, it wasn't just a little bit. We just said, Yes, sir. And we changed. And it was one of the hardest things for basic. I remember Paige having a conversation. um, I won't say with who, but with with a family member that was basically, if you're not going to respect the way that that we're going to raise our kids, then they're probably just not going to come over anymore. Because like the, the kids are at such an impressionable age, they can't go back and forth between this is the standard and that's the standard. If you're not going to respect the way 
that we're doing this, then I guess you can come and see them at our house, but they're not going to come and stay with you. And that's a hard conversation to have. It's tricky. Like I said, it, it can be tricky. But when you just basically say, here's the plan, are you going to buy into it or not? God says, Joshua, here's the plan. Tell everybody we're going to march around the city. That's the way we're going to, that's the way we're going to get this done. He's got to be thinking, oh my gosh. You might be thinking, there's no way that I can go to my parents and say, you can't X, Y, and Z with my kid. Uh, whose kids were they? I thought they were your kids. Uh, I'm just saying, sometimes you have to be the one who is the parent in the room, even though they're your parents. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, sometimes that needs to happen. Who's going to be the parent in the room? Just because you're older doesn't mean that you're acting like the parent. Um, just reveal your family plan. So you got to, so you're preparing your hearts. The next thing you got to do is you got to prepare your family, not only in your house, but outside your house. Make sure everybody understands this is the way we're going to do things now. I understand. You're right. Call me a hypocrite all you want. That's not the way I lived a week ago. That's not the way we lived for the past X amount of years of my life. But what I am telling you is you can hold me accountable today moving forward. We said that at the beginning. You can't change what you did then. You can only change what you do from today moving forward. So if your family wants to say, oh, now you're going to live this new holier-than-thou lifestyle, and oh, yeah, I, I am. You can call it what you want, but basically I'm just going to follow what the Bible says to do. You should try it. You know, sometimes family is hard, but especially when it comes to raising your kids, take a stand. It's worth it. You're going to prepare your heart. You're going to prepare your family. And the last thing that you're going to prepare when we're talking about preparation is you're going to prepare our children. We're going to prepare our children. How are we going to do that? Well, guess what? Now you've got to reveal to them the reason that we're having this whole conversation in the first place. We're going to change the way we're doing things around here, kids. Tell them the plan. Tell them the plan. Well, I mean, my kid's only like 18 months old. They're going to take it a whole lot better than your seven-year-old is, I promise. (laughs) I'm just... You can't change what you did before. You can only change what you do moving forward. But tell them. Let them know. This is the way we're going to do things now. This is the standard. I know that before it was it was okay, but but this is the way we're going to do it now. And that's where go back to the week for the the week first. The first week consistently is key. Consistency is key. Because if you're like, okay, this is the new way we're going to do things, but you're only like. I'm really tired today. We're not really going to do it today. Then it's really confusing to your kids. When you decide, hey, this is the direction we're going to go, you better buy into it. And when you buy into it, I mean, they'll push you, they'll push your boundaries. But when they find out that you're serious, it doesn't really take as long as you think it would. I, I promise. It doesn't take as long. Prepare our children. Tell them the plan. Verse 7. Joshua's just got this really amazing plan from God. This is what we're going to do. He tells the guys, get everybody ready. And then in verse 7, what's he say? And he said unto the people, now's the time. Everybody's going to find out. Here's the plan. Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. At some point, you've got to reveal to people, this is the plan. It may seem absurd, but this is the direction we're going. Right. Think, think about your life. I mean, take child training out of it for a minute. Think about the time when God in your life said, hey, I understand you've been living this way your entire life, and it seemed okay, but it's time to try it my way for a while. Right? I'm talking about when you finally you know, realized that you were a sinner and you had to basically say, you had, you had to rectify that. And the only way to rectify it was to say, oh, I can't. Jesus did, 
uh, I'll take that, right? And I'm talking about salvation. And you think about how that happened in your life. And, you know, you basically had to say, okay, so everything that I've been doing, we're not going to do that anymore for the most part. I mean, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm really going to focus on uh, living for what Christ is calling me to do, uh, to serve others, all of the things that weren't really that natural to me in the first place. Okay, it's going to seem that crazy. Some of you, you know, when you got saved, it was like, okay, it's a different lifestyle now. I remember when when I gave my life to the Lord, it was like, okay, God, if if this is really what you want, you can have it. But man, I'm I don't even know which direction to go anymore because I'm not going that way anymore. And when you decide, hey, we're we're going to take a stand, and this is the way we're going to raise our kids, it may seem that crazy. It may seem that drastic. But at some point, it has to go from a plan to action. At some point, you can have the greatest plan in the world to raise your kids. You can have the greatest plan in the world to take over the city of Jericho. But at some point, he doesn't say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Well, he's going to fail anyway. At some point, it has to become more than just a plan. He's preparing the people. He's preparing the the, the folks that are getting ready to take over the city. How's he doing that? Well, he's the same way that we would, we're going to tell our kids, hey, this is the way we're going to do this. Tell them the plan. Point number eight. A child who knows and understands the plan will know the boundaries and feel safe inside of them. When your kids know, hey, this is the plan. I'm not telling you that they're not going to push back, especially if they're a little bit older. And it's a pretty big change. But I'm I'm saying consistency is the key. A child who knows and understands the plan will know the boundaries and feel safe inside of them. Point nine. When the child knows the plan and the expectations, it's much easier to correct them when they fail to obey. Put yourself in a circumstance where, you know, you're in the car, you're going somewhere, maybe it's like a birthday party, maybe it's the grocery store, wherever, and it doesn't matter where you're going, you should always take at least a few minutes and prepare your children for whatever you're getting ready to get into, right? Uh, even if it's just super basic, right? You might think, well, uh, they know how to act. Sometimes just reaffirming it, right? Reaffirming it. We were in the car just a couple days ago, and I was just like this this exact thing. Um, oh, I remember when it was. We went to we went to dinner with uh, with the two boys that Paige watches uh, the other night, and it was it was a great time. But I remember we were almost there, and I remember she asked them, uh, and you would think like, why does she need to do that? Well, she was doing this exact thing, just very simple. She was preparing them, making sure she's like, hey, so when we sit down at the table, uh, you know, do we do we talk loudly or do we talk quietly? You know, and we talk quietly, and do we get up and run around, or do we sit in our chair? Oh, we sit in our chair. Just some really simple, basic things. And you might be like, well, why would you have to do that? I mean, okay, for one, they're they're pretty young, so it's just repetition is the price of learning. Now, if you're having to do that with your 18-year-old, well, maybe you should have started earlier. But anyway, the, the point is, no matter what the situation is, hey, this is going to be the situation we're getting ready to get into. What is the proper way to act? And so when you've already basically put it in their head, hey, this is what's expected, then it's not like a, oh my gosh, what do we do when something like is a little bit unexpected, okay? You're always making sure that they know the plan, they know the expectations, because it's super easy when they start to not just a little bit get out of line. Hey, don't forget, we're going to sit in our chair. Oh, yeah, okay. Right? And so just the simplest things. And I, I'm trying to use examples from little kids all the way up to older kids. And no matter what it is, no matter how old they are, when they know the plan, when they know the expectations, it's much easier to correct them. Right? 
It doesn't have to turn into a big blow up of, I don't want to, or why are we doing that, or whatever it is, okay? The first key, the first part in, uh, in the plan to train our children is preparation. You've got to prepare your heart, prepare your family, and prepare the children. And the next one, we're going to at least get through a little bit of this. We probably won't get all the way done today, but let's get through the second point here. The second part uh, of the God's plan to uh, train our children is execution. So, again, you can plan all the day long, but at some point there's got to be a time when there's some execution. Something has to happen. So the question is, how are we going to make it happen? Okay, so this is the this is going to be the plan, but how is it going to happen? Okay, well, let's look into this story just a little bit farther. Uh, Joshua chapter 6, let's pick up in verse 8. It says, and it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people. So he basically, he's let them all know this is the plan. Doesn't really say how they took it, but anyway. Uh, he spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven uh, trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew the trumpet. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. <clears throat> and the armed men went up before the priest that blew the trumpets. And the rearward uh, came up. Uh, came after the ark, the priest going on, blowing the trumpets, so just like they said to do it. And Joshua, and Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, because, you know, I know how you guys are thinking. Let's fast forward this thing. Let's just shout on the first day and get this thing done. He says, And you shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I bid you shout. Then you shall shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. They went and they did it exactly like they were told to do. Let me just tell you something. Don't be surprised. You might be thinking that like this child training thing is going to be this massive undertaking and it's going to be like bombs going off everywhere and there's no way. Don't be surprised when some of the victories come a little easier than you thought. It's like, wow, I never thought that would work. I, I, I heard him teach that and I heard, I mean, I saw that, but I didn't think it would really work. Don't be surprised when sometimes it works. So execute, how are we going to make it happen? The first way that we're going to make it happen is obedience from the parents. Your kids aren't going to be naturally obedient because you said, hey, here's the plan. I expect obedience out of you now. (laughs) That's not how that works. They're going to want to see it out of you first. How serious are you really about this, mom? How serious are you really about this, dad? Are you really going to get up and correct me when your favorite TV show's on? Are you really going to get up and correct me when the football game's on? Are you really going to correct me when grandma's watching or whatever it is that's like it starts with obedience from the parents the people would have never marched around the city if joshua wouldn't have said i'll tell them lord i think it's a crazy plan but i'll tell them you might think that child training is the craziest thing in the world but you might think it's the last ditch effort i'm just telling you obedience from the pay has to start with you Point number 10, parents who fail to obey their father should not expect obedience from their children. If God's telling you to do something and you're like, there is no way that I'm doing that. Don't be, your kids see right through that. If you're not being obedient, why would they be obedient? Right? It's kind of like asking your kids, hey, have you read your Bible today? I don't know, have you? (laughs) Oh, well, I'm going to. Oh, me too. Parents who fail to obey their father should not expect obedience from their children. It's a double standard. Point number 11, if parents are not obedient to train their children, then the parent is the problem, no matter what amount of disobedience is coming from the child. Think about that for a minute. A parent who knows that, hey, I have lacked training in my, in my, in my children. I'm expecting results, and I haven't ever trained them. 
If you fail to do that and you fail to continually say, oh, I'm just not going to do it. I don't have time. I don't have the effort. I don't have the energy. I don't care how your kid is acting. You're the problem, not them. It's just the way that it is. And you might say, wait a minute, you don't understand my kid. They're super rebellious. And Okay, go back to like the very first week. Can you control what your children do? Not really. You can't control what God does. No. You can try to manipulate the circumstances, but you can't control that either. The only thing that you can have any control over is what you do. So you better, if you're going to buy into this, you better say, I'm going to do my part. Now, it didn't say that if you train your children, that it's going to work every time. Now, you might say, well, wait a minute. A couple weeks ago, you said that uh, proper training works with every child every time. Uh, It does, but it may look different in every child. Again, we're not after cookie-cutter results here. We're after obedience. God's after obedience. God didn't say, hey, children, uh, you know, make your parents happy. He said, children, obey, right? So it's going to look a little different for everybody, okay? Point number 12, our sin, when I say our, I'm talking about the parents here, our sin affects the rest of our family. If you're doing something that is constantly having God throwing rebuke in your life, constantly having God, you know, tempting God with lightning in my life, uh, that affects your family. It's not just you. So if you're choosing to just simply be disobedient, understand that your sin isn't just affecting you. It's affecting your family. Make sure you understand that as parents. We have to be obedient as the parent first. So we're really talking about execution. How are we going to make it happen? It's going to start with obedience from the parents. The next thing it's going to take is consistency from the parents. Verse 12. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests uh, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horn uh, before the ark of the Lord went on continually and brewed with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, and the rearward came after the ark of the Lord and the priests going on, blowing the trumpets, and the second day they can pass the city once, returned to the camp, so they did six days. So basically, exact same thing. They did it once, now they've done it twice, now they've done it for six days. These people have got to be thinking, I don't know who Joshua is, but he's absolutely nutso. We'll let him, we'll, we'll, here's what we'll do. I'm, I'm just guessing this is some of the conversation that's going on in the background. Fine. He said this was the plan. We're going to do it for seven days. But when it doesn't work, Bob over here, he's the new leader, right? Or or Phil over here. Like, they've already put a, a timeline on it. Fine. If, they, if he says this is God's plan and he's going to die on that hill, then fine. But I'm just telling you that when it doesn't work, we've already got plan B figured out, right? So the, the people are going on. They're, they're doing it. They've got to be thinking, this guy is absolutely nuts, but they're doing it. There's going to be times that your kids think that you're absolutely nuts. Keep doing it. Keep being consistent, right? There might be times that your parents, that the rest of the world is like, there's no way that you're going to keep your kid from running, right? There's no way that you're going to keep this child from raising their voice. And you might think, there's just, there's no way. I'm just telling you, if it was God's plan, you better buy into it. He's still batting a thousand. They do it for seven days. Or they would do it for six days, verse 15. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose up early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the, the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest, that when the priest blew with the, uh, with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, shout for the Lord hath given you the city and the city shall be accursed. Now he gives them a little more instruction. 
even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are uh, within her house, because she had hid the messengers that we had sent. Again, making sure that everybody knows all the details of the plan. Those are key, right? So consistency from the parents. Joshua could have been like, okay, this isn't working. Uh, my, my job here is on the line. My life may be on the line. Uh, why don't we maybe try to expedite this thing? It's day three. Maybe we can go like three times a day, and then tomorrow on day four we can hurry this. Pro- I don't know what he's thinking. I'm just guessing like that might be what I was thinking. We've got to, I really want to make this sure this thing works out, right? I really want to make sure we'll, we'll, we'll do a little extra correction with our kids today because we really want obedience tomorrow when people are around. Whatever it is, we want to try to expedite the... It's a process. Point number 13, consistency is the key in child training. Nobody likes hearing that. That's like saying patience is the key. Uh, consistency is the key in child training. Without consistency, child training will fail. I told you on night number one, if you are 50% consistent with child training, then that tells me that you're kind of expecting about 50% obedience from your children. If you're 75%, right? That's that's not bad. Three out of four. Three out of four times I'll get up and correct you. Well, three out of four times they'll probably obey you. Uh, whatever it is. Whatever, that's generally like a rule of thumb. That's kind of how that works out. Consistency is the key. If your kids find out that every single time, even when you're tired, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's hard, that you're going to expect them to obey, and if they don't, there's going to be some sort of a consequence for it. We'll talk about that next week. It's not going to take them long to realize, okay, they're serious about this. This isn't just words. This is actually going to happen. Point 14. If we as parents are not consistent in training our children, now this might not rub your ears the right way, but uh, if we aren't being consistent in child training, then we are being disobedient to our Father, and you're in sin. Because when you're disobedient to what God has told you to do, uh, that's called sin. Now, we like to think of sin as, you know, those big things that, oh, I'm not supposed to, you know, look at the neighbor's wife, and I'm not supposed to, you know, do this or that or the other. We like to think of the big things, right? Uh, When God says, hey, this is what I want you to do, son, and you're like, okay, and then you choose not to do it, uh, that's called a sin of omission, not a sin of commission. It might not have been something that you did, but it's something you didn't do that you knew you needed to do, okay? Well, sins of omission... Uh, that's it's kind of the same thing sin is sin god says sin is sin so if you know that hey i'm supposed to be training these children up god has called me god has put it on my heart god has said hey this is what i want you to do and you're like okay and you choose not to do it well guess what it's not on the kid it's on you at that point you're the one who's in sin now i know people don't like it when you know you blatantly tell them hey that's sin the bible said it right that's that's what it says man uh we have to be consistent. We have to be obedient. Because guess what? We like to say, children, obey. That's what the Bible says. You're going to be like, hey, I learned something tonight, kids. You know, a lot of times we pick up our kids and we're like, hey, what would you learn tonight? And they're like, Jesus, right? Or, you know, as they get older, they're like, oh, we'll ask the, the high school kids sometimes. Like, what would you learn tonight? He taught out of this book. I'm like, that doesn't tell me what you learned. Like, what about it? Okay, and, well, you're going to go to your kids tonight. You'll be like, hey, I learned something tonight. The Bible says you're supposed to obey your parents. And we're like, yes, I can grab a hold of that. Well, guess what? You're a child as well. Are you obeying? I'm not talking about your earthly parents at this point. The Bible says leave and cleave. Uh, cleave to a new father, right? Obviously, he's talking about cleaving to your spouse. But when you 
when you leave home, when you pick up a heavenly father, how are you being obedient, child, when it says children obey? How are you being? When we just simply choose to not do what we know we're called to do, we're the one in sin. And the last point here, uh, to, to wrap up this point anyway, of execution. So it takes obedience from the parents. It takes consistency from the parents. And then letter C, it takes patience from the parents. It does. It's hard. I'm, I'm not up here telling you that like, hey, if you just do this, it'll be great. It's hard. There's going to be times that your kids, especially if they're older, will say things to you that you didn't know that they even knew how to say. There's going to be times that uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to take patience. Um, it, it really is. It could tell you stories that you don't want to hear. It takes patience from the parents. Verse 20. After all of this, Joshua, he has been patient. After everything that's went on in verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass. I mean, I can just think. Joshua's got to be thinking. Oh, please. Please work. Please work. Please work. I really, I really need this to work. The people are all shouting. I told them this is what they need to do. Like, if this doesn't, he's got to be thinking. I really need. This is when the people heard the sound of the trumpets and the people shouted with a great shout. What happened? That the wall fell down flat. So the people went into the city, every man straight up before him, and they took the city. I understand he's a military general. He's probably like out there leading the charge into the city. But the whole while, he's probably thinking, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. You just, you just, I, I, I never could have come up with this on my own. It was the craziest thing in the world, and, and it worked. I'm telling you, you get six months down the road with child training, and you're consistent with it, and you look back at where you came from and how it felt like the children were getting ready to rebel against you, and now you look at it, and it's like all you can do is say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's peace, right? And I'm not saying it's perfect, but what I am saying is point 15. Obedience is a choice that has to be made, and each child must make that choice on their own. You cannot force your children into obedience. They have to choose it. Obedience is a choice, and they have to choose it. Now, we talked about that quote-unquote strong-willed child last week, and uh, there's a process through which all of this works out. But obedience is a choice. It's not a, You don't force it. Obedience, point 16, and submission are not the same thing, by the way. Uh, you can... You can, the way I look at it was with a big enough hammer, I can really make a lot of things submit, right? When I'm uh, building the house or whatnot, boards can be warped and twisted, and I can beat it into submission. I'm just telling you, a bigger hammer almost always works. Uh, it's not like that. Obedience is different. Obedience and submission are not the same thing. Obedience is a choice that stems from the heart. There will be a time in your life that you will decide that, yes, Lord, I will obey you. And it comes with a change of heart, right? Submission is a choice that stems from the mind. There will be times in your life that you're like, I am not going to obey, but I will submit. I, I don't believe that this is right, but in the situation that I'm in, in, in God's structure, I will submit. Um, they're different. So make sure obedience is something that comes from a, a change of heart. You might have a child that you think, oh my gosh, they're never going to get it. It might just be one more time away from you being consistent before there's that final change of heart, right? And we'll get into what exactly that looks like because it's not 
again, all I've done up to this point is say, hey, this is what you need to do, what you need to do. What does it actually look like when it comes time to correcting? That's what we're going to get to next week. Because if you get all this stuff in your life figured out, then the correction it's really a, you might think this is like a weird twisted way of saying it. It's really like a sweet time. Um, it's some of the closest times that you can have with your kid, uh, like after a, a, a training session of, of some sort of discipline and you come to this like point of brokenness and it's like, Hey, it's okay. Where are we going to go from here though? Okay. So point 17 and we'll be done for tonight. Um, we as parents cannot force obedience. But when we're patient and stick to the plan, God will cause God will cause walls to fall down, just like He did with Jericho. When you are patient and you stick to the plan, God will cause the walls to fall down. Patient and stick to the plan. Oh my gosh, I've been doing it, Jason. Patient and stick to the plan. Right? You have to be. It starts with a good plan. You have to prepare your heart, prepare your family, prepare your kids. But then at some point, you've got to start executing this thing. It starts with you being obedient, you being consistent, right? And you being patient. And then next week, we'll get to, to number three. And if there's preparation and there's execution, well, guess what? There's now results, right? You'll start to see some results. We'll get it the rest of the way into this. Hey, guess what? The walls fell down. Well, now there's a reward, right? Now, now we get our reward. Okay, so we'll get into that next week. And then uh, so there's two kinds of rewards just to kind of help you guys get ready. There's always going to be good rewards and there's going to be bad rewards. No matter what choice you make, it's either a good reward or a bad reward. And well, what do you know? Right here from the same story, you can see both. So we'll get back into it next week. Sorry, I'm a couple minutes over. Let's pray and we'll uh, we'll get going. Uh, Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, 